What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we had on Mel Strong at Next Ventures. Next is a first-time fund designed to invest in sports, fitness, nutrition, and wellness. Mel is one of three managing partners on the team, and before joining, she actually spent the bulk of her career building and designing products at Nike. In this talk, we discuss non-obvious differences between VC and the corporate world, identifying the DNA traits of successful founders, and sub-verticals of interest within sports, fitness, and nutrition. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, world, welcome to the Confluence Podcast. We have a really dope guest with us today who invests in a really, really interesting category and is well positioned to do so. And we also just had a really interesting conversation with her about volcanoes. I would love to present to you Melanie Strong and maybe give her a moment to tell you all a quick few things about herself so that we can dive into some dope things with it. I love it. How many people start with volcanoes? I'm hoping the first. Thank you both for having me. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk a little bit about volcanoes and a whole bunch of other things that I'm passionate about. But maybe the the short version for your listeners is I am a founding partner in a, a firm called Next Ventures that we founded a little over two years ago. All three of us now sort of managing Next Ventures have backgrounds in the sports and health and wellness space. And I think through our own journeys has sort of discovered there's just this massive opportunity and specifically around access, which I know sounds lofty, but if you think about my journey as a Nike executive and how we built products primarily for either high-performing athletes or people who could afford our brand, and we could somehow figure out how to unlock all the innovation in those products to a broader population, how that could scale something pretty powerful. My partner, Lance Armstrong, who many of you probably are familiar with and his journey as an athlete, all the, the ups and downs of what it was like to be an elite athlete and how he learned about access and his own way. And then our third partner, Julian Eisen, who came on last fall, I think both of in his journey growing up again as an athlete, he was a track and field star at UC Irvine, founded his own company, was also working in the private equity space for a while. But this thread of sports paired with access is really strong in our own personal journeys. And so it just felt right for this to be where we started with Next Ventures. Like how can we find innovators and technologies that are helping to scale some kind of health or performance innovation to a really broad population of people who wanna live a healthier life. Well, that is awesome. I was recently looking through uh, your portfolio and you all have two of my favorite products and uh, the TheraBody. And uh, yeah, it makes sense that you are getting access. Fire selections and they definitely are 
doing exactly what you said, which is like making my life 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to hear. <laughs> well, yo, how about we take a, a quick second to talk about what prompted your move into VC after being an executive in Nike for so long? Sure. I don't know that I had anticipated being at one company for as long as I was. I was, I grew up as a it's runner. Nike, fair. I, it is Nike. I know. It's so funny. I look back on it because I, it was like a 18 year MBA. I got to work in all these different sports from running, which is where I grew up. So it made a ton of sense for me to start my career in Nike running to working on football or soccer, as we call it here in the U.S. That was amazing. I got to work on the World Cup in South Africa and spend some time in Argentina, working on Copa America there to, to skateboarding, which was my last and probably best job just from the standpoint of working on something that was so fun and different for me, but also for Nike. But at some point, like so many people, I guess, you just sort of realize maybe I'm not learning as much as I was in the beginning of my career here, how could I actually take what I have learned and contribute in a different way? And I had started to do some advising and angel investing on my own in this space and was sort of excited about the potential. Like one, I think I could be helpful. Two, I have access to lots of great founders and then really smart people who can help those founders. And at the time, I knew enough to be dangerous about VC. You know, I have a journalism degree, so I don't have the typical background for the space. And I met great people who helped mentor me, who said, you know what, you don't need to have that pedigree. It's actually better that you don't. You'll think differently. You'll just bring something to the space that's much needed because it's, it's pretty homogeneous. And that was really all I needed to hear. I was really comfortable taking the risk. I knew I was going to need to learn a lot and like really learn from those mistakes quickly. And I have for sure, but I haven't looked back in a second. And the beautiful thing is that Nike family and my experience and the network of awesome people I met in that chapter of my career out there in the world doing amazing things. So I still feel very connected to that part of my story, but I also feel like this was absolutely what I was destined to do next. How do you see the, the two comparing? One, shifting from being a, a marketing exec to being an investor. And two, just like working in a completely different world or even just working in a, a lean organization now versus something that's like incredibly large. You mean like learning how to run your own payroll? <laughs> it's not easy. I'm doing it right now. And it's like pretty frustrating. Oh my gosh, it is. And I needed that. You can imagine what it's like to work at a big company like Nike. It's, you have so many resources. And although it didn't always feel that way because things were still hard, especially when you worked in a business like skateboarding, which wasn't exactly like a big priority for the brand at the time, like you still had to hustle, but it's a different kind of hustle when you're building from the ground up. And I think I needed that experience. I think we all did. I think I personally had two choices when I decided that this was the space I wanted to be in. I could go and work at a big firm. I had the opportunity to do that and learn from maybe some of the best historically in BC, or I could start from the very beginning, meaning fundraising and having that whole experience of building fund one from a dollar to 50 million. And what would that feel like? 
figuring out how we wanted to onboard really important admin expertise to our team, doing payroll, hiring people without having the benefit of like a huge HR department to help. Like it's all, I think ultimately helped us empathize with our founders. Like fundraising sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really important for me anyway, because I am an emerging fund manager and I have to prove myself every day to have gone through that experience versus having had the privilege of joining a fund that already had tons of assets under me. I, I think this is exactly the way we needed to do it in order to learn how to empathize with founders and how to really feel like we understood the ins and outs of VC. Makes sense. What made you all decide to focus on the A and B? Given like, I think you all probably get the most, there's probably like five to 10 sports focused funds that might be somewhat relevant, but you all are like easily top tier. What made you all think about going out to raise that bigger fund or, or playing in the bigger stages as you do? We wanted to, at least with fund one, make sure that we were investing in companies at a stage where we could minimize risk. It's obviously all risky, but we knew we had more of a chance of being successful if there was something. It could be a piece of hardware, it could be software, some kind of technology that we could experience. But if we had the chance to test and do diligence on a real thing, Mm. we had a better shot of getting it right. And that is probably the humility of emerging, like being emerging fund managers. I think that's called being a smart investor, but (laughs) that's fair. That's very fair. So you all have a a piece that Clay was reading about where you talked about effectively in order to help your founders become better leaders, you can give them a talent DNA test. Mm -hmm. You talk about that a bit and like what's (laughs) been learning as you all go through this process. That's really cool. I want to take it. Yeah, we... You know what, like if we look back even in this chapter of being fund managers, but also in our lives at the biggest mistakes we made, it's not, it's all about the people. It's about assessing the the founders and the, the teams around them, understanding how they think, what, the, what their blind spots are, where they're going to need support. And even if they're a first time founder and they have tons of blind spots, we might still invest, but we at least know immediately where we can add support around that founder and her, his team. And so (laughs) honestly, this started with us. When we first came together as a team, we did this exercise. We brought a coach in, we did strength finders. We did a variety of exercises as a team where we had that conversation about what we bring to the team and the fund, like what we're great at what our blind spots are, how we're giving one another permission to call out those blind spots real time because it'll help us be better and make less mistakes. And if we're doing that with each other as a team, why wouldn't we do that same work with our, our founders and our CEO? In many cases, we're coming in at a level where we could represent seven to 10% of that company's ownership. We're striving to earn a board seat. So most founders who are in these categories would be blessed to have one of you all <laughs> on, the, on the board and on the cap table, but for thank sure. you. 
to feel right. And part of that feeling right is that level of vulnerability and work together that we wanna do with each founder we work with. There are things that we wanna continue to learn and being able to do this work, not from the standpoint of Next Ventures assessing a CEO, but rather we're heading into this crazy long-term relationship together we're dating for, I don't know, one to three months max. <laughs> what kind of exercises should we go through together so that you understand us, we understand you, we've earned your trust and vice versa. And we are setting this relationship up to be as positive as possible. So that was really the, I think the potential we saw in starting every relationship that way. And 90% of the time, people are up for it. That 10% (laughs) freaks them out. (laughs) And that's okay too. But I think it's really important. It's intentional because if nothing else, it says, hey, you're a human being. We are too. Why would we ever start what could be a 10-year-plus relationship with you if we didn't have the opportunity to understand how each other thinks, what our values are, what motivates you? And again, like what your sort of dark forces might be that we just need to be aware of. We all have them. So let's do that work together at the start. Yeah. That being said, that conversion rate is pretty high. I'm curious if it's like, are most people just like, yeah, like I should totally take this test because why not get this info? Or like, I want to, I want to understand your pitch. Like what is your next ventures pitch to them where they're like, you know what I'm in. We just went through this with a a company that we're hopefully really close to writing our first check into. And it starts with, tell me your story. What motivates you? Was this a passion project? Or did you see a huge sort of business and market opportunity? That's great too. Here's our story and why we started next ventures and all the things that we've learned. One of the next things that we do that I I don't know if this is normal or not, but it's important for us is we ask companies and CEOs that we intend to or want to invest in to talk to the CEOs and founders of our portfolio companies. We think of it as like a 360 review. Like what is the best way for you to get an idea of how we work as a team? It's not just to talk to us, I think it's more important to talk to the people we work with every day. So we, in the case of Aura Ring, Harpreet, the CEO who we've worked with since we wrote our first check into Aura back in early 2019. He's been with us since the very beginning. That was our first investment. Harpreet would happily talk to any company that we were taking seriously as a possible addition to our portfolio about what it's like to work with us. What do we bring to the table in terms of our network, in terms of our value add. I'm interim chief marketing officer at Aura right now. I don't know that there are a lot of VCs who would be capable of doing that work or have earned the trust of a portfolio company to the point where the CEO and the board would be comfortable with an investor being embedded into a team as an operator. So that's the next step we take in terms of the relationship building. And then that athlete DNA test or that CEO DNA test is as much just a, it's an athlete mindset exercise that we do with one another that can be formal or informal. We don't keep records necessarily of any of the results of these tests. It's more about our process of assessing founder health and trying to identify where we can best serve them. We take the athlete 
metaphor pretty seriously because that's the world we we live in. That's the consumer we're hopefully creating great brands for, and we see ourselves very much as athletes. So that is, I think, the way we think about each of our CEOs. Like this is a endurance sport you're doing and you're taking on here by building this company. Are you ready? What kind of coaching? What kind of support are you going to need along the way to make this company successful? Yeah, I think you should put on the front page of your website, like on the Next Ventures website, building companies is an endurance sport. Are you ready? I love it. So I was on the phone, yes, or not on the phone. I went to dinner with a potential business partner of, of Clay and I last night. He's been an MD at Calpers for a really long time. And we were talking about Aura and we were like, yo, this company's crushing it what's the future of this thing? And I had no clue you were the interim C- or CMO. That's dope. If you want, maybe give us 10 to 20 seconds of like why Aura's dope and like what maybe the future could be. If not, please tell us offline. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, what I can share with you now is all the reasons why we love the company and invested in it have come to life. Meaning One, like the product itself is incredible. We believe in the form factor. I love the ring. I don't wear a watch. If I did wear one, it'd probably be an Apple watch. So why bother competing with Apple on that sort of space? I love the science behind Aura. I think that makes him very defensible as an investor because you both probably know in this space of fitness in particular, there's so many trends And so many brands that don't really have anything real behind them outside of a brand. And sometimes that's enough, but often, especially when it comes to wearables, we want there to be like true defensible science. And the beauty of the product is that if you're measuring readiness as an aggregate of things like heart rate variability and sleep and other inactivity and other factors, body temp, those factors are way more accurate through your ring and through your finger than they are through your wrist. And so that was interesting to us. I think they own sleep. And I think that's really important. Harpreet, the CEO talks about this all the time. He gets asked as we do, what is what are the secrets? Like you guys talk to elite athletes all day. You talk to biohackers, doctors, education, and sort of academic experts. Like what are the secrets that they know about health and longevity and performance that we don't know. It's sleep, always. If there is one thing that you can change in a positive way that has the ability to impact every other aspect of your life in a positive way, mental, physical, your relationships, how you show up at work, it's sleep. And I love that about Aura. They have spent the last few years building themselves as I believe the most credible brand and product in helping you optimize your sleep. And that, that for me, if our goal again is to create access and help people live healthier lives, why wouldn't we find the companies that are doing it through the ways in which you can scale that kind of impact most, which in the case of Aura Sleep. So that, that is the reason why we invested and they've definitely exceeded our expectations there. In terms of what will come next. They're going to continue to own sleep and the service of sleep and what that means from a content and experience perspective. You can imagine that they'll get after other aspects of health and wellness. They'll continue to make the product better and the experience stickier. I think they're going to have even more cultural relevance 
outside of health and wellness moving forward very quickly. And I'm excited about that. But yeah, it's a brand we're super proud to have gotten into at all. And for me to be able to spend the last few months with the team, it's been the, the most amazing experience. I'm so convicted in what that team is going to be able to do moving forward. It's been an awesome experience for me. Yeah, the science behind it is crazy. I did uh, some incubation work with uh, my former partner, Ray Lane, at uh, Great Point Ventures, who was a uh, president of Oracle for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you can do so much stuff. We were looking at all these, these blank face wearables and we decided to go with Aura. And you can detect diseases with this thing. You can look at group performance. There's so much stuff you can do. And yeah, I, I think it's phenomenal. But okay, next question is I'm, I'm like, I can dive into that one forever. Within sports, fitness, nutrition, wellness, et cetera, what sub verticals are most interesting to you right now and why? Yeah, because we're so focused in this space, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot from our 12 companies. We've learned a lot in all the companies we passed or missed on, frankly. And I think the way we think about looking for our next investment opportunities is very much around the problems we see with our existing portfolio. Like what are the reasons why people stop using their aura ring, for example? And so we're really excited to spend more time on data. I don't know if you saw Terra, which is one of our most recent investments, but they've built this great developer tool that essentially takes health and wellness data from any open API source and normalizes it meaning it's being measured apples to apples against the right metrics, and then makes it easy for developers to embed that bigger data pool into whatever product they're working on. And so what we loved about that is we were, we had an assumption or a hypothesis that there is a point where just having more data is not gonna actually be better for consumers. And I see this in my own life. I feel like in my community of friends and athletes, the desire to have more data points in isolation of understanding how to use that data to make better decisions that improve how I feel or how I perform. Like at some point, the data actually creates more anxiety, not less. So much noise. So Terra was one of those opportunities we sought out because I don't know that the world needs one more thing, one more I don't know, subset of your wellness journey and data associated with that subset in isolation of all the things that you already know that is already available through the Apple Health Kit. It's already available on Strava. It's already available through whatever wearables you might be using. So I think there's still a ton of opportunity there. There could be a consumer facing dashboard where you could access all that data. It could be shareable with your primary care physician and integrate it into your employee or your um, electronic health records so that you can actually get this snapshot of everything, your sleep, diet, activity, and how that is paired against your blood metrics and biometrics that you may be measuring with your doctor. Like that is for me and us very much the dream of making, using technology in a, to actually make your life more simple and easy, not make your health journey more complex. So that's one area we're pretty passionate about. Julian on my team has led a lot of interesting thinking around sensor fusion, which is sort of 
a different way of tackling the same problem around data? Is there eventually going to be a more unified way of thinking about data and what can be measured throughout your life? And how can that be integrated into your life in like the right time, right way, where you actually want to hear it, you actually want to respond to it positively. And then, yeah, we had a conversation this morning about what has happened in the last 24 hours in this space with the Fitbit 5 launch, Headspace and Ginger merging to become Headspace Health. What that tells us about how quickly this space is moving. Because if we had this conversation two years ago, I would have said, oh, Next Ventures is, this is what we called ourselves, a human optimization fund. And we're focused on athletes and helping athletes perform better. But you know what that means now? That didn't mean two years ago. It means thinking about healthcare and the medical space. And now it means thinking about financial tools and insurance tools that help people make better choices about their health and wellness. Like it's so much bigger than it was even two years ago. And obviously COVID played a factor, a huge factor in that, but I think we were headed there anyway. So it would behoove us to look at things in the healthcare space now, in the medical space, which we never would have done two years ago. If it didn't start with athletes, we probably weren't looking at it. And now we will miss things if we don't think more broadly about this space. It will still probably start with performance and start with the everyday kind of athlete, the way we define that person who just wants to like live a healthier life. But, but man, it's a completely different marketplace than it was two years ago, which is exciting. Yeah, I've always looked at it as like things that are impacting athletes today are like, it's like the R&D center for the rest of humanity. It's like why we push so hard in athletes. It, it just tells us where the human condition can go. Mm-hmm. But maybe consumer tech and consumer health tech has become so competitive. That might be just as advanced, if not more advanced than athlete tech. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And I think that the way you think about or define athlete and consumer are changing. And I think that's exciting too. Great point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really great point. There are some competitive people on Peloton that you never know. In another <laughs> they might give your partner a go for his money in another life. I believe it. And that's so cool. You yeah. know, it, it's so cool. Again, it goes back to like all those barriers of entry that certainly I grew up with as a young girl on the East Coast with not a lot of access to intramural opportunities and extracurriculars. Like it's just, a, and, and there are many barriers that remain. I'm so aware of that now. But I do think that innovation and technology can help remove those. And I see that happen too. And that makes me really excited. Like there should be no reason why any consumer can't think of themselves as an athlete and can't figure out what, how to get there, whatever their health goals are. It could be running your first mile. I hope that there are enough companies coming out of our fund and lots of other funds in this space who are removing any reason not to give it a try. And that, that feels pretty awesome, especially after working at Nike, where it is so purpose-driven, where you just really believe in the ability for sports to change culture. Like I, I still very much believe in that. And that feels a lot of what we do today. hundred percent. I'm thinking that we are missing a little bit of play. You want to come in and uh, hit us with a quick fire round? 
Yeah, let's do it. So Mel, we do these at the end. We've got five questions meant to be answered in two sentences or less. First one we have is what is a recommendation you hear regularly that you think is bad advice? I think listening to your gut and instincts is the most important thing. And so I think then the bad advice that would be the other side of that is not continuing to listen to the voice in your head and your heart. And I don't know how you optimize that as an investor, but I guess the way I would flip the question, Clay, and I realize I may be cheating here, is God, when people have placed seeds of, seeds of doubt, I guess, in my mind, I've made my biggest mistakes. Yeah, I like that too. We haven't heard that piece of feedback yet, but I think that's good. Next one we have is in the last year, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I try to turn my phone off every night at a certain time which I felt like I couldn't do in my corporate life. And I can choose to do that now. And it has made me a much kinder, better person. I sleep better. Turning the phone off. Love that. I'll try to do the same. I need to get better at it. But like, it's on my <laughs> it's list hard. of good habits is to just like not look at a screen after the sun goes down. And I'm really bad about actually sticking to that. But it's at least on my list of things that I should be doing. Next one, aside from having to say no all the time, what's the worst part about venture? Right now, I want to see people in person. I trust my instincts. Back to my answer to your first question, 90% of the time in person. My instincts on Zoom, 70, 70, 75. So I wish we could also spend time in person now it's really hard i know we can do it with a lot of safety protocols in place but it's one of the things i struggle with now which is just i gotta trust my zoom and google meet gut versus my meeting you in person and having a coffee and looking you in the eyes gut it's a different kind of instinct i'm honing yeah i think that's interesting we haven't heard that again from anybody else but yeah it's like a different level of filtering whether it's like in person versus over the phone, over your computer. And like when you're betting on a person, like that's what you're waiting the most. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's like, it's a different skill set. I think that's interesting. Next one. So we got two more here. Next one is best piece of feedback or advice for junior VCs or those aspiring to break into venture. I got a lot of advice when I was breaking into VC myself to not focus on my subject matter expertise. And I understand the perception bias around that which we're constantly aware of, but I am so glad that I invest in things I know about and care about. And I think VCs and investors should decide if they want to spend time investing in the space they love and know, or if they want to spend time investing in category agnostic opportunities. Either way, make that decision for yourself and don't let anyone else tell you what the right thing is. I think it's a lot easier to invest in stuff that you're passionate about that'd be my two cents like, i think mm -hmm. it's like tough to especially right now i feel like the last 24 months like the world's just such a different place like it's possible to wrap your head around all these different sectors and opportunities and adjacent use cases for different types of software i think like sticking to like a core thesis of where you think the world is going and then just becoming a category expert on that and investing in that space i think serves people a lot better that's my two cents but what do i know 
Uh, all right, last one here. Who is a mentor of yours that you want to give credit to? I joined the board of Visco back in 2018 when I was still at Nike, and it was the first VC funded company I worked with in that capacity. And it was the first time I was surrounded by VCs who I knew an, enough about to know they were very successful. And one of them was James Joaquin from Obvious Ventures. And at the time I didn't know I wanted to get into the space. I didn't really see the path. And he helped me understand and demystify that path that I didn't need to have the kind of typical background that I did actually have a lot of brand and consumer expertise that would be valuable. And he's always been there since 2018 giving me the courage to leave Nike, which was terrifying to understanding how to create my first term sheet or perform diligence. He's been there from the very beginning for me and for us. And I respect him so much for the work he's done, but also that he's taken the time to mentor and coach me along the way. That's awesome. That is awesome. I think that wraps up quick fire. Tyler, am I missing anything there or anything um, else you want to add last minute? Well, you always have the opportunity to ask us any question in the world you want and we'll answer with full transparency. So go Based for on it. what you, yeah, no, I love that. Thank you. Based on what you've learned about next and whether on this call or through some of your prep for this conversation, is there something we're missing that you think is an exciting space for us to explore? Hmm. I think that you made a, a really good point when you say you were looking to invest in broader consumer health tech. I think that you might find yourselves diving further into the biotech side of things and the food tech side of things as well or in the near future. In my last one, we had a lot of overlap on the kind of things that you all look at. So I would say that I wouldn't be afraid to look into like the sci like scientific based food tech, not just like random CPG brands, because those things are really tough for like actual platforms. I wouldn't be afraid to look into biotech. And then I don't know, it looks like you're already investing in the back end of like enablement tech, right? Mm -hmm. Like Terra is technically enablement tech. I would say keep diving into that stuff. And you'd be surprised if, if I were you all be thinking about how you have connections to almost any brand or platform in the world. And I would start seeing like, well, within the sports and human optimization universe, like what are the things that could power my network and uh, have scaled outcome for consumers and athletes through those bigger players or emerging players and maybe doing that but you, you're already on that map well last thing i'd say is like maybe just make people know you all exist more like i think that this is a dope fun it's two years old and like the sun's just coming up the sun's <laughs> rising and it's gonna be a bright day so dream at the top of the volcano or whatever all great advice on the enablement tech piece. You articulated it beautifully. Like in my mind, there's, and you look at our portfolio of products as, an, as a good brand, as a good example. There are all these like spokes of the wheel that we are starting to develop ownership and expertise in all the parts of health and wellness, sleep, nutrition, activity, et cetera. But there's like the hub, there's like the system like the operating model in the inside that connects all these things. Like finding those things that would sit in the hub 
of these great products and services and wearables like and Tara is one of them for sure so it's validating to hear you say that I completely agree and I'd love to see anything that you guys see out there that sort of fits that definition and then we've gone back and forth on whether we earned the right yet to shout from the mountaintops about our fund um, because most people get their first win and they shout about it a thousand times you all have wins so that's a thing and then also your pedigree as individuals make it to where like that alone is enough to shout about. So give yourself flowers. Like, I don't care what everyone says about this whole, like, let the return speak for ourselves. We're in like a new digital media based age where like people are like very like, what have you done for me today? Or do I remember you? Like, mm-hmm. I would say be there or be square or something. Like you should go have fun. And anyone who judges you for having fun and like, tapping yourself on the shoulder to make your funnel bigger. Like they'll be mad when you get that one deal that they didn't. Good advice. As a marketer, you know where my head is on this. <laughs> yeah. And if you all, if whenever you all are ready to hire junior people, I know a few people who'd be really interesting. Okay. So, Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to be continuing to hire team members as we grow. And we're starting to think about fun too, which is going to require us to have a bigger team so that would be great i would love to stay in touch on that yeah i got one in mind already so let me let me know or i'll even see their profile yeah that'd be great i'd love that well i think we are just about over time and you are a very important and busy person (laughs) so i want to from the bottom of my heart thank you for your time i send a ton of love light blessings and all those things your way And yeah, looking forward to catching up again soon. Yeah. Thank you both. If I can be a partner for you in any way, just say the word. I'd love to support you all. This has very much been a energy giving moment for me, but I would like to give it back to you. So let's keep it going. Huge thanks again to Mel for coming on this week. We hope that each of you were able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, we've linked her social info in the description below and her contact info should also be in the Confluence BC directory. For next steps, if each of you have not submitted your info to become a member yet, you can do that through our website at www.confluence.bc. And also, if you want to become a subscriber to the newsletter, we offer a ton of free resources in there each and every week meant to help you become better at your individual roles. You can subscribe there at www.confluence.substack.com. Hope that helps. Hope to hear from you all soon.